Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Revealing and unconcealing, what is it that is getting in the way of our potential as human beings? Exploring the power of the body-mind and our current relationship with reality. Together, I want to dive into an inquiry into what is happening in our world today and who we are being and how we are living in it, both individually and as a species. What is it that is keeping us stuck, causing us to repeat the same patterns and cycles? What is getting in the way of our potential and our evolution as a species? I'm Nikki Clinch, and I am your host. I will be sharing the science, research, and many human stories on why we are the way we are and what is required for us to outgrow our current way of being and birth a new possibility for ourselves. Because now is the time to remember and to discover our infinite potential of being human. Welcome to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. My name is Nikki Clinch, and I am your host, and it's wonderful to have you all back this week. And to any new listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome to this new space. I hope that you find the episodes here not just educational, but impactful on how you know yourself, how you see yourself, and how you get to know your entire world that appears for you and that you get. May every episode in this podcast gift you with something deep and impactful in how you are able to be in your world and how you live your life. So if this is your first time here, I'm really, really happy to have you here. And if you have been a dedicated listener up till now, thank you so much for being here and for listening right now. I'm absolutely loving the reception that we're getting to all these episodes and to this new podcast, and I'm loving recording them for you. So today I'm going to be diving into episode 11, and I want to speak on a topic that I think affects everybody. And of course, everything in this podcast affects everybody, because if you're human, this relates to you. And the context from which I am speaking from in this entire podcast is from a human being context, meaning I am attempting to dive into and wrestle with and tackle particular topics that we as human beings struggle with in how we live our life and how the world appears to us and how we are with each other and how we are with ourselves. And my intention and attempt is to wrestle and tackle with these topics from an ontological level not just from an individual you level, meaning it's your problem and you've got to work out what's wrong with you to try and sort it out, which I have covered in the earlier episodes is a limited, a limited way of dealing with what is causing the problem. That when we zoom right out and look at the problem 
from an ontological level, from the context of the entire species, from the design of the being of human being, well, then we can start to see patterns and connections and sequences in the landscape of human being that connect to each other and reveal to us possibilities and answers and therefore solutions that maybe we couldn't see when we're just looking at it from an individual level. So that's my intention and what I'm going to try and wrestle with and attempt today. Today I want to speak about authenticity. It's a very big word. In fact, in a world where we have self-evolution and self-development and healing, as a trillion dollar industry, it seems that it is a fundamental need and longing amongst our species to be able to find our authentic self. In fact, maybe you have heard that phrase a million billion times. Become my authentic self. Come home to my authentic self. Find my authentic self. This longing and search for our authenticity is a massive collective longing. And yet, we are seemingly struggling to, or I say, I challenge that do we even know what that means? Do we even know what we're searching for? Do we even know why we're searching for what we're searching for? And let's go even deeper. Have we really asked ourselves who is even the one that's searching? What is driving this longing? And can the longing ever be met if it is being driven by the one that's longing for it? That question may have made your mind go inside out and don't try and resist that. In fact, let that kind of jumbleness that's happening in the mind, let that be. But I'm going to ask the question again and and don't try to find the answer to the question. The important part is the question. Who is the one that is longing to find their authenticity? Who even needs to find it? You see, when we're already in our authentic self or coming from our authentic self, the longing and the search and the need to find our authentic self doesn't exist. It is only a someone that somehow feels disconnected from their authentic self that has a longing, that even needs to have a longing and a search to find their authentic self. So, If there is such a mass collective searching and longing for such a thing, then there simultaneously must also be a mass collective problem where where we're coming from seems to be disconnected from one's authentic self. Because it's only one who is disconnected from one's authentic self that is even needing to look or find or search. And so they come hand in hand. The longing and search comes hand in hand with the context and the one from which is searching that is seemingly disconnected from one's authentic self. 
Both and exist. In fact, one cannot exist without the other. And so the first thing I want to do is unconceal the one that is even searching. Who is this one that is searching for finding my authentic self? And why is it that no matter what that one does, one can't seem to find it for long periods of time collectively? So the topic of today's episode is authenticity. Why don't we let ourselves be who we really are? Why is it that we don't let ourselves be who we really are? One thing that I have seen consistently in 100% of the programs that I have led, particularly in our Listening to Life program, and then of course in the Alchemy of Being, which is my Academy of Maturation Coaching training, in all our work, is that it seems consistent that human beings are struggling to simply be who they are. It seems to take a lot of energy. It seems to take a lot of struggle. It seems to create a lot of suffering. And you may think that that is just you, but I can tell you that it's not a coincidence that 100% of everybody I've ever worked with struggles with the same thing. It's not a you problem. It's a human problem. And so why? Why is it that we struggle to simply be ourselves and whatever that is? The one that cannot be themselves is searching and longing for to find the authentic self to solve the problem of the one that cannot be with oneself. And thus we get into a paradoxical situation. The one that is disconnected from oneself is the one searching. And the one that is disconnected from oneself also has a reality that appears to them coming from the one that is disconnected from oneself. And then from that place, you're searching for yourself. And you can hear it's, it's like a, a hamster wheel that we can never get off. In fact, if you refer back to episodes one, two, three, and four, or let's say just refer back to the episode three, the vicious circle of the human condition, when the one that is the problem with oneself, disconnected from my authentic self, is the one searching and longing to find oneself and bringing the disconnected one everywhere we go and reality is created from that disconnected one, you can hear we're just going round and round and round in the vicious circle. And of course that exaggerates the longing and the search that we're seeing so prevalent on the planet today, which is why the healing industry is a trillion dollar industry. The search to find one authentic self. But actually, if we get really, really honest, the real search is, please give me the answer to solve the problem with why I feel so disconnected from who I really am. Whew, that was a big one. I'm going to say that again. Please give me the answer to solve the problem with why I am so disconnected from who I really am. That seems to be a universal problem on our planet. So today I want to dive into what even is authenticity and why is it that we don't let ourselves be who we really are? Well, first, who is even who we truly are? Who even is that? 
And in order to answer that question, or at least attempt to answer that question, we have to distinguish two things. We have to distinguish who we are not. We can only really see who we are by seeing who we are being that we're not. And then who we are gets revealed. We also have to go right back to the moment that me, who you call you, is even formed, the identity. Now, if you refer back to episodes one, episodes two, what is maturation, the body, mind, and the identity, one and two, then I speak about the stages of development that happen in human beings from which we get our sense of self, which we then call me. And if you go back and refer to those earlier episodes, I speak about how from the moment we are born, we as a species go through different stages of development. And each stage of development gives us our sense of self. When we're a baby, a newborn baby, our sense of self is given to us by a buzzing, booming experience confusion. It's just an absolute flooding of experience. There's no distinguishing my hand from your hand, my body from mama's body. A newborn baby simply experiences themselves as just a buzzing, blooming sense of experience. And then as baby starts to develop more, then they start to get their sense of self from physical impulses, wet nappy, cold, hunger. That's why we we cry when we have a physical impulse. That gives us our sense of self. That then matures and we develop even more. We start getting our sense of self through our emotional impulses as toddler years and a little bit older than toddler years. Um, I want the ice cream. I want my sweets. I don't want to go to bed. And we have the big outbursts of emotions. And we get our sense of self from our emotional impulses. And then as that develops, and we become like four, five onwards, we start to develop a sense of self as a self-image. We begin to have a conceptual image, a mental image in our mind of who we are. Like I said in those early episodes, and if you haven't listened, go back and listen, please. When I speak to my son, Callum, who's now five, when I asked him when he was four, what's your name? He would just say, I'm me. He had no real definitive image of himself yet. He knew that he was somewhere and that he was a someone, but he didn't quite have his identity fully distinguished yet. When I ask him now, he's five, what's your name? He says, I am Callum. And you can see the moment that he says it, he has an image in his mind of who Callum is. Me is formed. The identity is formed. And the identity is an amalgamation of a mental picture 
given to us by emotional and experiential sensory experience, and that forms the beginnings of me. Now, in order to be able to distinguish what even is authenticity, we need to go right back to who is me? What was created when me was formed? What was the everything that was pulled together and absorbed in order for me to be formed? And so by the time me is formed, where does me even come from? When Callum now has an image of who Callum is, where does that even come from? Where does his perception of his sense of self even come from? If he is outgrown at just being emotional impulses, and physical impulses. Where does me even come from? Well, it comes from the perception of mother and father and the world around them. The way in which the world sees him gives him his sense of self. It gives him his perception of who he thinks he is. And so, authenticity. You see, most people will think that authenticity is something that we need to do and act like in order for the people around us to perceive us as authentic. But you can hear that that still is a doing thing. And who is the one that even needs to do authenticity? But I have a slightly different take on it. Authenticity is the ability to experience yourself fully, honestly, and truthfully, which also means seeing yourself, fully seeing. Seeing is not just looking through things that appear to you through your eyes. Seeing is more than just your perception apparatus. Seeing is also experiential. Being able to see yourself and experience yourself simultaneously, fully, honestly, and truthfully. And from that place of being able to experience yourself fully, honestly, and truthfully, therefore it allows another to truly experience you. See, authenticity doesn't happen out there. It happens between you and you. So, it seems that we get our sense of self based on whether we have really been able to be seen by those around us as children. Can your mother really see you? Can your father really see you when you were a child? Now, mother definitely sees someone. 100%. Father definitely sees someone when you're a child. But do they really see you? Or do they see a projection of you? If you go back to episodes three and episodes four, what is story and how it shapes our world, then I speak about how the world that appears to us, and this is a human being 
problem. This is a blind spot of human being, not individual. It's not my mom did right or your mom did bad. No, this is to do with the design of the being of human being. We don't see what's there. We see what appears to us. And what appears to us is given to us by where we're looking from, which is our past. So can mother really see you? Really see you? Or does mother see a, a projection of what appears to them from where they're looking from? And the same with father. Now, I have a client who shared a story with me once. And he said that his father wanted him to be a doctor. No matter what, he remembers being two years old and already by that time, his father was constantly talking about how he was going to be a doctor. His son was going to be a doctor and he would go on and on and on and on and on about it. So much so that my client doesn't have a single memory of ever wanting to be a fireman or wanting to be an astronaut or wanting to be an artist. He only ever remembers from like two years old wanting to be who his father wanted him to be. His father, for whatever reason, his history, his story, what he didn't achieve in his life, what he wanted for his own world, for whatever reason, could not see his son for who he really is. He saw what he wanted for his son. And as son absorbs his father's way of seeing him, that little boy experiences, this is for every one of you, that little boy experiences being seen as not really being seen. He's experiencing something from his father, but it immediately already is creating this conflict, this dissonance. What he sees is not who I really am. And so the child's experience of being seen is already associated with not really being seen but being projected on. Now, of course, children can't think this way. It is an ex it's pure experience. The child experiences their relationship with being seen as not really being seen. In fact, the entanglement of being seen comes hand in hand with being projected on, with being seen through someone else's eyes, rather than really being seen for who they are. And what that does on an experiential cellular level is that that starts to form as part of our sense of self. The me starts to be developed. I, as a child, am, an ex am experiencing that who I am is not being seen for who I am, but being seen for how I should be or how he wants me to be. And it creates like this dissonance in our whole flow of life force and sense of self. And in that moment, 
because we are animals, because the human mind is only designed for us to survive, because as children, we simply cannot survive unless we find a way to fit in the pack and belong and be loved and be wanted. So in that moment, my client unconsciously and mechanically traded himself in to be how his father sees him. And so that's what we do. Our me, our sense of self, gets formed through the eyes of how we are being seen or not seen by the pillars around us, which is pivotally mum or dad or whoever is the representation of mum or dad, whoever is bringing the child up through those early years. Instead of being seen for who we really are and seeing ourselves for who we, who we really are and, and experiencing that seeing ourselves for who we really are will allow us to belong and be part of the pack and be wanted and loved. We see ourselves through the way in which we are being seen, through the eyes of whoever's bringing us up. And so you can see it already forms a dissonance. Then we as children experience that relationship of being seen at all as actually not being seen. Take a moment. Those of you who are listening right now, take a moment. How did you experience being seen as a child? Did you experience being seen for who you really are? And if you did, then wonderful. I bet you you have quite a, a beautiful relationship with your authenticity. Or did you experience yourself being seen by not being seen? By being seen through the eyes of your mother's story or your father's story or whoever was bringing you up, their perception of who you are. That relationship, that experiential relationship is what forms your entire dance with being able to see your own self and experience and be with your whole self fully and truthfully. In fact, from that moment onwards, we go into a survival pattern. The identity is formed. The mind will then drive us to find a million billion ways in which we have to sculpt and shape ourselves in order to fit in this pack to be wanted by my mother through her own eyes, to be wanted by my father through his own eyes. And how those survival patterns start to develop is that maybe we start to overcompensate and we really try to be really wonderful and seen and, and, and loud and bright and sunshiny. Or maybe we go the opposite way and we completely become invisible and we don't say anything and we, and we watch and manage every single one of our words. But either way, Whichever way the survival mechanisms go, they are survival mechanisms. They are now driving us to not come from our authentic self. In fact, to come from that dissonance, to come from that split that took place and drive us strategically to find ways to fit. And that is how we then begin to grow up. And of course, that then just gets reaffirmed and reaffirmed in our world as we grow up and become adults. The relationship with being seen 
the very original relationship with being seen becomes entangled with the way in which we experienced it through mother and father's eyes. And if you've been listening to the episodes up until now, we have a human problem on our hands, meaning a majority of us human beings don't even know that we're not seeing what's really there. We think that what we see is the way it is. Until we start to dissolve our blind spots and go through a process of maturation, and we see that actually our past, our stories, are coloring and contaminating what we actually see. When I was born, I remember just my face would trigger my mother and her anger. And I genuinely thought that there was something wrong with my face. No, she wasn't seeing me. She was seeing a projection of something, probably a mirror, which was bringing up her own rage, but she wasn't seeing me. But my experience of it was, it must be me. How she sees me must be who I am rather than being who I am. Remember the original question I said at the beginning, why is it that we human beings struggle so much to simply be who we are? Well, this goes way back to the beginning. I can't be who I am. I have to be who she sees me as, or I have to be the opposite to the way she sees me as. So this entanglement of relationship of being seen is actually an experience of not being seen, and that becomes our normal. We confuse being seen as being not seen. And of course, that then is the imprint from which we experience ourselves in the world. Every time we actually, someone sees us and projects on us, and similarly the way that our mothers and fathers did, we confuse that as actually being seen. And then we go, well, I better actually really try to keep the jig up and be happy and be joyful and be positive and be like this and work really hard. Or uh, my client, he did become a doctor. (laughs) I need to be how they see me. And that feels like being seen, doesn't it? We're searching and longing for more of this being seenness that doesn't quite hit the spot and it never fully satisfies us. And we're like, why is this not fulfilling my longing? Because it's it's an unfillable hole to fill. When not being seen is your relationship with being seen, then every time you experience something similar, it doesn't quite fulfill you. And then the opposite happens. When you do have little moments of actually revealing yourself honestly and truthfully, it feels like being exposed. In fact, it may even trigger all the experiences of feeling in danger, feeling like you're going to be abandoned, feeling like you're going to be judged, rejected, criticized, whatever happened for you in your original childhood. Being actually authentically seen will trigger the very pieces that felt like they were threats. And so we come to a lose-lose situation. Do I actually start honoring myself honestly and truthfully, but that feels awful. That feels like I'm being exposed and I'm in danger and I'm in threat and someone's going to attack me. Or do I keep hiding that part of myself and do whatever I need to do in order for the external world and their projections of me to accept me? Well, you can hear the dilemma that we're in. 
And so why do we not let ourselves be who we really are? So the beginnings of that healing process is first bringing consciousness and awareness to who we are being that we're not. Most of the time, 100% of the time, people will come into my programs and they will genuinely believe that who they are being is who they are. And then we'll go through the programs and they'll start, all these massive blind spots just start going pop, 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 pop. And they're like, holy crap. You mean this has been led by survival patterns my whole life? Everything that I think that I actually am, I'll use myself as an example. When I used to have my brand, The Warrior Woman, when I had that brand, I genuinely thought that that was who I am. I even got signed to write the book, Warrior Woman, (laughs) which I never wrote because it was completely inauthentic. At the time, I believed that was who I am until I started to see, ooh, Who even needs to try to be a warrior woman? Well, someone who actually feels really powerless and doesn't feel like they can be themselves and has to prove something. Ooh, wow, that was survival-led. And so you can hear the human dilemma here. This whole relationship and sense of self is formed by the way in which we are being seen, which is often not seen. And then, of course, we grow up into a world that continues to affirm it. The world that we currently have, the paradigm from which we have currently been living in, has been shaped and formed in a way that keeps repeating the same dynamics that we had as children with our parents. In school, do we ever really feel like we're being really seen? I mean, once in a while, you get an incredible teacher who really sees you you for who you are, not who the world wants you to be or the label that's been put on you. Once in a while, you get a teacher like that. But predominantly, the the experiences that I hear is we go to school and we're not really seen. We don't feel seen. We're not really seen. In fact, we're being sculpted and shaped to be a certain way to fit. And then we go into jobs and we're in the job and your boss wants you in a certain way and you have to be that certain way. How often do you walk into a job and your boss is only interested in seeing who you really are? I mean, that happens in our company, but it's a maturation company, (laughs) which is rare. (laughs) How often do you have to put on your mask to go to work so that you can fit? The world and the paradigm that we have even created is based on our current entangled relationship with authenticity, which is why this desperate search is becoming rampant. But it is beginning to change now. There's something fundamental beginning to shift in the paradigm from which we live in. And of course, the external paradigm that we get and reality that we get is given by where we as human beings are seeing from. The consciousness from which we see creates our world. I'm going to do a whole nother episode on that, so I'm not going to dive into it right now. But I am using this episode to distinguish the entanglement that we have been coming from around authenticity. And even, I'm going to drop something here, it's a big thing to drop, but I'm going to be courageous enough to say it, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome has become 
almost like it's like an almost like a popular thing to teach and touch on. But I'm going to say something that maybe is going to be controversial. Is imposter syndrome even really a thing? Like a label, like a thing, like a problem? Or at a deep existential level, do we somehow suspect that we are being out of integrity to who we really are because we're being led by survival mechanisms? Is imposter syndrome really a thing? Or is it something that we're telling ourselves that comforts us more rather than really facing the possibility that on an existential level, very, very deep level, we somehow suspect that we're not being fully authentic because we're being driven by survival patterns and survival mechanisms. We don't know fully how or what's there, but I believe there is something on a deep level that does tell us that. I, it certainly was my experience. I remember not that many years ago realizing that I was a fraud, N not in a blaming way. Remember, I did the whole episode on responsibility. Responsibility is not blaming, shaming, or guilting yourself. But taking ownership, oof, that whole warrior woman phase, I was like, I'm being a fraud. This whole character is driven by survival. I was compassionate with myself, but then I was also ready to take responsibility for it and do the work. And so why is it that we don't allow ourselves to be who we truly are? Because I think two reasons. One, we don't really know what's been running this whole system. So we know we're looking for something, but we don't know what it is and we don't know why. Well, I'm hoping this episode will start to begin to dismantle something that just seemed normal for you and for you to be able to start see more clearly. And sometimes being able to see yourself more clearly is to start seeing how you've been being that isn't even yourself without judgment, without blame, without shame, but with ownership. And remember, this is not a you problem. This is a human dilemma. So join the club. <laughs> We're in this together. So being who we really are is associated with some form of threat and not belonging, whatever the original experience you had about being seen as a child. The other, separateness, boxes to fit in, roles to fit in, characters to be. This is our human way of clinging onto and desperately holding onto and finding and searching for who we really are. We cling onto opinions. We cling onto stories. We try to sculpt and shove ourselves into boxes. And then we fight each other for having different opinions and for having different boxes. But it's all driven by separateness. It's all driven by something that is survival-led. Being who I truly am begins with you being able to experience and see yourself honestly, truthfully, and fully. And it begins with you, and it can begin now.
authenticity is our ability to experience and see ourselves honestly, fully, and truthfully. And from that place, others will be able to experience us honestly, fully, and truthfully too. So let it begin now. Sometimes experiencing and seeing us honestly, fully, and truthfully is seeing how inauthentic we're being without judgment, which is so hard, but it is the way to heal. No judgment, no no guilting, no shaming, but self-responsibility. That is our power. That is our power as human beings. If you are ready to look and remember you're looking at yourself, my invitation is for you to look at yourself as a human being, not as a you who is doing it wrong, that is having a problem. No, this is a human dilemma. How can I see myself honestly, fully, and truthfully right now? That's why I always say maturation is not a process of finding who you are. Maturation is a deep and profound process of releasing and dissolving who you are not. I work with people where we go through layers after layers after layers of how your history has shaped your identity, how your parents' perception, how your ancestral stories, how the world has shaped you, how the teachers have shaped you, how the magazines have shaped you, all this intricate layers that are stored and frozen in our cellular being that gives us who we think we are who we think we are. And as we dissolve and release layer after layer, it allows space for who you really are to return. They have always been there. They've never been lost. You don't need to find them. You just need to find, commit to finding all the ways that are blocking who you are and release that which is a lifelong journey, obviously. Authenticity is the ability to experience and see yourself fully, honestly, and truthfully. And from that place, others will be able to experience you honestly, fully, and truthfully. So right here, right now, take your journals out and start to just journal like one or two pages on everything that's coming up for you around listening to this episode. In fact, don't suppress yourself. Just let it be an absolute stream of consciousness body of journaling. No judgment, no guilting, no shaming. But in that stream of consciousness, you might start to get blind spots that just go pop, 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 pop. Have I really seen myself for who I really am, honestly, fully, and truthfully? Or do I see myself through the eyes of dot, dot, dot. Begin there. You don't have to do anything about it. Seeing, awareness, consciousness is our superpower. That is the way to freedom. So I hope that you find this helpful. It was a big episode. I mean, I could spend five episodes tackling and wrestling with this particular topic, and maybe I will, but this is the first one. This is my first attempt. I hope that it has been useful impactful, deep, and healing for you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. If you are finding these episodes useful and impactful for you, please do share them with the people in your world or with anyone that you think will benefit. Remember, this work is for human beings. If you are human, this relates to you. Share it far and wide. Let them know about this podcast. Every episode I commit to you will be a gift to you of some form of education that will be beneficial to you and your life and your evolution. So do spread it far and wide. If you want to support us as a podcast, please do subscribe to this channel. Make sure that you don't miss any of the episodes that come out weekly, but also go over to Apple and give us a star rating. And if you want, and if you can give us a five star rating and write us a review. It helps this podcast get spread further and wider, and it just helps us so massively to be able to reach and help as many people as we can. So thank you so much for listening. This is Nikki Clinch and the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Infinite Potential of Being Human podcast with Nikki Clinch. That's me, your host. If you are interested in understanding in a much more deeper way why we are the way we are as human beings, why your life unfolds the way it does, and how to access this extraordinary power and potential that is already there within you, within all of us actually, that you are curious and interested in how to access it, how to embody it, and how to start living it. And whilst discovering all these things about us as human beings and our infinite potential of being human, hopefully answering some unanswered questions as to what is happening in our world today. If this is what is calling you, then please do download our free three-day masterclass, Breaking the Cycle of Repeating Patterns in Your Life, Relationships and Business. Or you can head to our website, www.nikkiclinch.com and enjoy yourself with all the information, checking out the courses and the workshops and our offerings on there. Thank you so much for listening. 